You're listening to Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome back to Blank Monster. I am your wonderful host, Marie, a.k.a. Queen in Yellow. Here at Blank Monster, I go over two, three monsters in the Monster Manual, some of them underused, some of them overused, and give you a few ways to use them in games at home. We are working our way through the 5th edition Monster Manual, alphabetically, so I am going into the letter D this week. Now, I'm going to start with, this one was tricky, because there are a couple of chunks of monsters in the Monster Manual where there's way too many pages for it, because there are too many types of monsters within that. Specifically, we have demons, we have devils, and dragons in this chapter, and there are at least, I think, eight for each one. And they get their own stat blocks and their own pages. And yeah, there's a bunch. So when I started going through this chapter, I told myself I was only going to do one demon and or devil. I was going to do no dragons because the game is literally called Dungeons and Dragons. So they're used a lot. And try to pull at least two monsters that weren't used very often, at least that I could think of. So we are going to start off this episode with the Death Knight. A death knight is what happens when a paladin falls from grace and dies without seeking atonement. The dark powers that be transform them into an undead creature. So these knights still retain their divine magic, so to speak. They are able to cast spells still. There is a stat block in the monster manual showing the spells they have, including Searing Smite, and Staggering Smite. So you have an Ended Paladin casting a Smite, which would be really fun. Downside, of course, is they cannot heal, but that kind of makes sense considering they are undead. They don't really need to heal, and also they're no longer a righteous hero. They are a undead monster, so to speak. Um, if they do have a mount, such as they had in life, they usually have a Skeletal Horse or a Nightmare even. So if you want to double up on monsters, that's an option. They are a very high-level threat. I will say they are a challenge level of 17. So this is not an easy fight to go into. You do not want to pull this for a low-level party. But the fun thing with them, if you do have a high-level party, is they cannot just be destroyed. You can kill them, but they come back. The only way to truly perish a Death Knight is to find redemption for them. They have to atone that to find redemption. They have to prove themselves somehow... Otherwise, they just keep coming back. So this is a really good enemy if you want something your party can, air quotes, defeat, but then have to deal with later still. They are able to summon other undead to them. Um, they're able to command lesser undead and even fiends, depending upon why they fell from grace. If they fell to possibly a fiendish deal and the process of betraying their god, that means that they might actually be a servant to that fiend now in death. So they can have basically a miniature army with them. So you get a couple other little NPCs you can throw up in there to make it a bit more challenging. Like it needs it. Um, I do want to point out, just for anyone who's hung up on the Paladin aspect, in 3.5 Monster Manual, Death, Death Knight is described as being from any martial champion. So monks, fighter, um, I think it actually just says champions and barbarians even. So any fighter that dies and is, air quotes, disgraced, they can become a death knight through someone turning them into that. 
So it doesn't have to be a paladin. It just kind of works best with the paladin background because it is that reversal of lawful good to chaotic evil that's controlled by darkness. And in the 3.5 Monster Manual, there is a PC option for this. Yes, your player can become a Death Knight. There is kind of a rough conversion factor for it. I am not super familiar with 3.5 mechanics, so I couldn't tell exactly how. But there is a conversion factor for how to play as a Death Knight after you die. There's a rough number there. So it is entirely possible. On to the scenarios. Now that I've said that, you can probably guess at least one of the ideas. <laughs> the first scenario is a party learning that a famous paladin has been seen in a nearby town. But this paladin is dead. They know the paladin is dead through some means, whether it's recently-ish, or at least it's recent enough that they're like, yeah, we heard the news, they died. They arrive at the town, they find that this town has been devastated by the death knight that has come through. In order to stop this, they're going to need to figure out why he came back. Most likely it's going to be that they failed to accomplish a goal to their god that they just ran from. I would keep it kind of simple just to be able to say, we'll accomplish this, we'll make them accomplish it, however you want to do it. And just tr try to find a way that they can trick the Death Knight into doing the thing that it failed to do in life. Therefore, redeeming him, in a sense, and allowing him to perish. Otherwise, your party's going to have to fight him, and then he'll keep popping up, which... If they aren't able to get redemption for the Death Knight, could be a fun kind of recurring NPC that they are now marked by this Death Knight as an enemy. So randomly, they might come across him and his undead army. Especially for a high-level campaign, that might be a good option because you can have not just the Death Knight, but some skeletons that he's traveling with. That could be really fun. Another option is actually inspired by Drew Hayes' NPCs Split the Party. Um, minor spoiler for the book, although honestly, I don't think it's as huge of a deal as a, as a revelation, but feel for, free to skip 30 seconds of this one. So a cleric or paladin in your party is tasked by their god to retrieve a skull of a death knight and bring it into the daylight. So they need to fight the death knight, get the head of it before it reforms and bring it into the daylight. This will redeem the paladin because they're able to be viewed by their god. That's the kind of spoiler thing. <laughs> and this means that they are able to free the spirit. So they will have to fight the Death Knight to kill them specifically, or they have to lure the Death Knight outside where it will not willingly go. And these things are magically resistant, so it's not just going to be able to be talked into doing stuff. The last scenario for a Death Knight is to follow up a recent PC's death. So if you have a paladin that's died specifically or... If not, if a fighter or barbarian passed away, that could work too. And your party with a new character potentially hears someone following them. And they discover that this character is in fact not dead. This is also a good option if you need a segue for the player whose character has died. They can play as a Death Knight who is fulfilling a mission, who is now technically evil. And you can even have that influence of wisdom saving throws from the try to do stuff or they are now being pushed to do something else if you wanted to or if the character doesn't want to play them just wants to play a new person you can at least have them you know see oh this is what i became but this character is now following them and has some type of mission they need to fulfill in order to pass on so the party now has to decide how do we best help our 
former friend who's been turned into this when we don't even know if we can. Because I would make it a difficult enough challenge, probably not linked directly to the character's backstory, unless the player who is playing that character decides they want that. Um, I would hash it out with them just to make sure they're okay with that. I would make it something the party itself has failed to do as a whole, so the party has to go back and redo something potentially. Make it not impossible, but difficult enough that they have to decide how much they want to do this. Knowing that the Death Knight's going to just keep roaming around and doing things who was their friend. So those are three ideas for the Death Knight. The next monster is a demon. This is my only demon I'm pulling, even though there are a lot of really fun ones in here. Um, there are also a lot of really fun devils, too, if you look at it. But one thing with the demons I do want to note is there are a lot of demon lords that have multiple demons following them. So just because I picked this specific demon doesn't mean you can't fit him basically anywhere in the campaign or story you are telling. So the demon I picked is the Chasme. C-H-A-S-M-E. I'm assuming it's Chasme. Now, he is a type 2 demon, so demons rank 1 to 6 in power, so a lower level demon, not too bad. Although, still, challenge rating of 6. Remember, I've talked about how powerful they were before with like 4 and 5s? Again, not super high level campaign, but you want a good like mid-tier party going into this, possibly. This is not a beginner monster hunt. Um, just to summarize for demons... They are embodiments of chaos and evil, existing only to destroy. Now, that doesn't mean they're mindlessly destroying, but that is their sole goal in life. Well, whatever life you want to call that. And all demons have a true name that will give any mortal that knows it some control over them. So if you've read any books about, um, like, Bartimaeus trilogy or really kind of any demonology story, they have a name that if you invoke that name, they have to do things for you. Um, fun fact, that's actually partly what happens in... Uh, the conjuring universe in the second one that the woman figures out the nun demon's name and she can kick him out because of that i barely know the movie but whatever <laughs> that's all i remember about the movie sorry <laughs> but if you know the demon's name you can have some control over it that demon still has a ultimate goal of destruction though so you gotta be careful now the casme specifically is a large fiend so it's pretty big and it resembles a cross between a humanoid and a fly. It basically looks kind of like a giant fly with a human-ish face and a giant mosquito nose. So more mosquito than fly, I think, but that's kind of six and a half dozen. Now, because of the fly aspect, he is able to walk on walls and ceilings, so he can basically get around a room anyway. And they, interestingly enough, produce a droning sound that all other demons are immune to, but anyone else will be put to sleep by. So it's described as a horrid droning sound, which demons are immune, and other creatures must succeed a constitution saving throw or fall unconscious. So it literally bores people to sleep with just a constant buzzing sound. So if you ever have tried to fall asleep to one of those noise machines, that's what this thing does on a magical level. Part of the reason for this is these guys serve mostly as interrogators or taskmasters. These guys love to torture people for punishment. And they are often sent to track down demons who are, I guess, traitors. is the only word that would really work for their masters. Because that means, oh, this person's a traitor. 
I will track them down, torture them, bring them back, and I don't get in trouble for punishing them because, well, they were a traitor. That's kind of these guys' MO. So they are nasty buggers. So a couple of ideas for these, and really, these scenario ideas can work for most demons. It just kind of changes how the demon is going to react to everything in the world. So the first is you have a leader of a cult, wizard college, magical order, whatever you want it to be, or even if you want to go with a political bent to it. Um, this leader has captured a Casme to his service, so it knows its true name. It was able to summon this demon and was able to get it to work for him and is using this Casme to interrogate prisoners. So this Casme is interrogating the prisoners, which you could have your party be some of if you wanted to. You can decide exactly why these are prisoners there. Maybe they are, you know, cult members who are trying to bring people in to figure out who's actually in the cult and not. It could be that this is a hostile takeover and they're trying to figure out who is a threat. Whatever it is, this Casme is serving this person to do this task. Now, the Casme loves this task because that's what it wants to do. But at the same time, it's going to try to break free. So demons are intelligent, which means your party, well, yes, is being possibly tortured by, they might be able to convince the Casme to let them help in order to free it so it can go away and they can get out. Another option is a demon cult specifically has been visited by a Casme who is serving the lord that the demon cult is trying to follow. And the Casme is actually using this cult in order to find an escaped demon. There is a demon that's escaped from its master, so it's hunting it down and it's using mortals to help out. Now, the demon is going to be a very, very low-level demon. I would pick the uh, Quasit for that because they are basically seven hit points. They are also often time wizard familiars, so they're very weak, very tiny. But you can have one that's gone rogue and is being hunted by this Casme. Demon is going to ask your party for help, and they have a choice. They can help the demon hide, or they can refuse. Either way, this Casme is going to come finding them, and they're going to have to deal with it. So they can turn over the demon. Or they cannot. They're not going to get anything for it other than avoiding a fight. The final option for the Casme is the party themselves are on the run from a demon lord. Most likely, one of the party, cough, cough, tiefling rogue, made a deal with the, and now the lord is mad because they crossed on a deal. So your party is going to be running out of the abyss specifically. I would make it to where they have to get back to the mortal plane. It's not impossible task but i would make it to where they do have to cross some type of threshold and they are being chased by a casme and remember casme produces a droning noise so they're constantly trying to not fall asleep while being chased and they know at all times this thing is still following so kind of like in a lot of movies how it's that fear of it will catch up eventually that's what you can have happen they can get ahead they can start to take a short rest and that buzzing noise starts up and they got to keep moving fortunately so that is a couple of ideas for demons, specifically with the Casme. The last monster we're going to cover in this chapter is the Drider. This one, I was torn on a couple of options because there are some fun ones in this chapter, but they're not very many powerful ones. But the Drider is a really good option, and I think it's one that can be played really well if you kind of think outside the box. So background on Driders. Lulth, the spider queen, turns promising drow who failed to pass a test of faith and strength into the spider drow hybrids. Typically, it means that they were exceptional drow, 
that caught her attention. She put them through trial and they failed. So this was their punishment. They are often driven by madness, so they disappear to the Underdark, becoming either hunters or hermits. This might be a weird pick for me, too, because of this, but they also will often have hordes of spiders that they lead. I don't know why I picked it either. <laughs> now, they can return to society, usually to fulfill a vow or vendetta from their previous life, and other drow view them as worse than slaves, but they put up with them because the driders represent what happens when you fail their goddess. This is basically the punishment. One thing that I imagine in in my head at least for draw society is like nursery stories and bedtime stories would be like, if you don't do this, you're gonna become a drider, that type of thing, right? You know, the um if you fail in service, you have this bad thing happen. So you terrorize your kids into doing stuff. I imagine that's what Drow would probably do with the driders. In the 3.5 edition, there's a bit more information about them, not necessarily specific to what they can do, but kind of just a general personality aspect. They're described as bloodthirsty creatures who attack from an ambush. So they do have some magic and spell casting. They are very powerful, but they are more of an ambush predator rather than outright, I'm going to walk up and stab you. Now, drow are kind of interesting in general because... In early D&D, they're very much, they're an evil society. And newer editions are more of a, kind of just a darker tone and more of a crueler nature. With the Driders, I think I'd lean into more of the latter. They add this, that cruel streak that stems from a very isolated community with a very, very unforgiving goddess. I looked up a little bit on Loth, the Spider Queen goddess, just to get an idea of kind of what she, where, where she fits within a lot of the, um, Forgotten Realms lore and she really is just a very cruel very strict but also very kind of on a whim type of DT. there's no hard and fast rules so it's hard to please her and once you do there's no guarantee you're going to stay in favor with her so it creates a very interesting environment for them to grow up in and to live in and it means the driders even have that interesting dichotomy of at one point they were in her favor and they couldn't keep it so starting off with scenarios for the Driders, is the party encountering them, again, Underdark, is going to be where for most of these. Parties in the Underdark and they encounter one who's asking for help. These guys are technically, you know, kind of mad because they've been isolated, but they're still intelligent beings. This Drider is a female and she's asking the party to help her reunite with a past love. She remembers her old life still. She remembers she was betrothed to someone and she still wants him. So she's asking party for help because she can't really walk in town and demand it. She's sending them ahead that he can come willingly or she's going to show up to kill his new betrothed. So your party now has an interesting choice. How much do they help the drider versus how much do they help this drow that may or may not be stuck between a rock and a hard place? So that is one option. Another option is you have a male drider specifically. Um, it was interesting. I didn't realize that males are actually looked down upon because of Lull's views on them a lot of times. Weird facts you find out about legends and stuff in D&D. So male driders would be more uncommon. But you have a male drider you come across at the edges of the Underdark. So we're not quite in the bowels of everything, but we're kind of at the edge. And he is seeking sanctuary because he wants to find a cure for this. He thought he was pleasing his goddess 
tried, he failed, and he's basically been cursed with this. And after years of realizing how bad this is, he's like, I need to find a way out. So he's trying to find a deity, a source of power that can change him back. So the party now can escort him to a temple that might be able to help. Um, there are a couple of deities that are in opposition to Lilith that you could probably pull from. Or if you have a cleric or paladin with a specific deity that would work, you can also do that. So the party can take him there. The trick, though, is they have to convince people not to attack him or he has to hide. Or they have to convince the clerics there to accept him. Because at the very least, he needs to be given a new life. Now, I don't think he necessarily has to be transformed. You can decide that if you want to, depending upon where you're fitting the story in. I think in a campaign, it would be interesting to have him change forms, but not be a drow still, something kind of in between. There are a lot of fun story arcs and, of course, popular pop culture of people going from one version to something else to something else entirely as they become good again. I think that would be a fun arc to have of him being still a half spider, half drow person, but not what he was before. So that's another option you can do. The final option is a bit more traditional. The local woods in an area nearby where there's an underdark entrance have been teeming with spiderwebs for weeks now. And people are starting to go missing. A drider has made a home there, has made a nest, and is beginning a campaign to extend Lola's influence by kidnapping people, killing them, sending them as slaves to the Underdark to drow temples and towns. And this is all an attempt to gain favor with Lilith again. This drider is either desperate, mad, or both, and is trying to do enough to spread Lola's influence to get favor again possibly to be returned back to their drow state and be able to go back to their life before. There are a lot of paths you can throw into this. There are several, um, I guess, agents of Lulth that you could use, um, clerics, paladins, things like that, that maybe this drider was a part of beforehand. So this could be a very powerful and very intelligent drider. Or you could have just be just kind of a everyday drow who just wants to go home. But that is a much more combative option if you wanted to go more the traditional route. That is going to be it for today. Those are going to be our scenarios for the Death Knight, the Demon, specifically the Kazmi, and the Driders. Let me know what you would do with these monsters. I know there's probably a bunch I did not cover with the Demons, and there's a lot more with Devils as well. You can always pull in if you need to. Um, again, this chapter had the challenge of having three major monster types in it and those types being used a lot so i try to think outside the box a little bit for some of them but let me know how you would use them let me know any other monsters you want me to talk about in upcoming episodes anything you think is underused and i will see you next time hello Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy. <laughs>